Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this week, it's the big run-up to the Super Bowl here in America. But first, a reminder to check out BeerEdge.com to sign up for the newsletter, catch up on episodes of Andy Crouch's podcast, and more. And, of course, there's the This Week in Roush Beer Facebook page. Check that out, and be sure to follow the Beer Edge on all of your social media channels. The biggest sporting event in the country is usually a chance for breweries in the cities where the teams are from to get together for bets, and that usually involves collaboration, beers, meals, or some sort of other good, kind, good-hearted fun. This year, the game is being played in Tampa, a city already known for good beer. And in the game are the Buccaneers, the first team to actually play in the championship in their home stadium, as they take on the defending champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, another city known for good beer. So I wanted to do something special for this episode, and I decided on a doubleheader. Two segments, each with a brewer from Kansas City and one from Tampa. Up first is a conversation with Christopher Johnson of Green Bench in St. Petersburg, which has entered into a friendly competition with Nick Mater of Alma Mater Brewing in Kansas City. And after that, it's Carlton Graham of KC Beer Co. chatting with Sean Sasser of Cigar City about their bets. And along the way, we talk about recipes, philosophies, the nature of collaboration, and the scene on the ground from each of those cities. And I started off my conversation with Chris and Nick about the similarities their breweries share and how that led to coming together over football. In, in hearing the description that the two of you gave of your own breweries, um, I see a lot of overlap. I see a lot of sort of similar ethos and or uh, similar attention to the type of beers that 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 you're making. I, I, I'm wondering if this collaboration uh, or this, you know, this bet um, is a what's even the right word um, you know, is just a product of having similar brewing philosophies, similar brewing approaches. I mean, probably. I mean, I would say that, you know, as Nick kind of mentioned, we've known each other for I don't know, six years now, maybe something like that. And, um, uh, you know, when he was at Crooked Stave, you know, the kinds of beers they were making there, we were huge fans of, of those beers. And uh, we were sending beer out actually through Crooked Stave. So he was having an opportunity to drink our beers and we were drinking his. And then he went to, you know, we formed a friendship and then he went to Fremont, which is a, a fantastic brewery. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just, we've stayed in touch since. And, you know, since he opened his brewery, and, uh, you know, I think, I think at least from my perspective, there was always a, uh, like we were always going to probably brew something together anyway. And then this yeah. is like a really good opportunity to do it. I mean, I remember when you came down to Jacksonville, Nick, for the NBA, yeah, I was just, we hung out. I was just, I was just going to mention that. And, and, um, actually before that though, I remember hosting, we did at the source in Denver during GABF week, we actually did a green bench tap takeover. And uh, that was really the first time I had gotten to try anything outside of, you know, kind of your mixed firm beers, Chris, and just really enjoyed them. And then leading into what Chris was saying is, uh, shoot, yeah, that Jacksonville NBA meeting um, was really great to just get there and, and same thing and see, see uh, Green Bench's presence in Florida and, and get to try more of your lineup. And I think, uh, you know, as most brewers do, you're, you're following people that inspire you from, you know, usually social media and whatnot. And, um, I've loved, I've loved watching the progress, progress of their lager program. And, uh, you know, it's kind of in a lot of ways, uh, similar to, 
you know, having that diverse lineup that we have here, but also, but also um, diverse in a, in a way, but also really focused on kind of that drinkability aspect um, that I think all their beers have. The pandemic has put a crimp on a lot of beer normalcy. And I've seen just from, from, from my perch where I am of seeing collaborations were really big, really popular for a couple of years. And then they sort of died off and they were sort of ramping back up again, or so it seemed uh, before the pandemic. Um, and I'm always curious about who people choose to collaborate with and, 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 and why, because I, I'm sure that there are a lot of brewers that would you know, like to knock on your door and say, Hey, let's make a beer. And I'm saying this to both of you guys. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, you'd like to do that to, to a lot of folks as well, but the, there's usually has to be some sort of, I don't know, connection there or some sort of, you know, reason beyond, Hey, let's just make a beer and, 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 and do it. And so I'm wondering if you can just sort of like peel that back a little bit as to what your individual collaboration philosophies have been previously well I'd, go ahead go, go ahead Nick, okay. you go first okay well okay. then i'll go oh maybe you go <laughs> this is well, why we're gonna work to go. I, don't, I don't do collaboration so i can't help out here go for it chris all right yeah i would say like for us it's it's definitely you know i prefer a relationship generally there beforehand because i mean on one hand you're pretty much going to be spending the day with this person anyway. Um, and so uh, I generally like to have some sort of rapport, at least beforehand. Also, um, it makes it easier to some kind of some, sometimes like be prepared for the collaboration. Like you've hit, you have some sort of built in understanding of what the other person does. Um, you have an idea of maybe some of the questions you want to ask when, when you are going to, or when they're hosting you um, or you're hosting it, frankly, of that person, you know, I, I like it to be a two-way street where we're both learning something, but we're also able just to kind of relax and have fun and uh, and just hang out with somebody that, like, generally speaking, you only see at a festival or a convention or you know whatever. And it's like kind of a an, a day in which the rest of those other distractions aren't kind of in the way of actually spending time with that person. Now, with that said, I do know like a lot of people will probably collaborate. I mean, I'm sure this is the case where people will do it for whatever marketing purposes and whatever. And I, you know, I think there's value in that as well. Um, getting one's name out there to another group of, you know, uh, someone else's customers or someone else's region. Um, yeah. So I think that's, you know, that, again, I guess there's value in that and that's, that makes sense. But I think especially at, at least at this point in our brewery, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty busy. And so if I'm going <laughs> to do it, I like to do it with someone that like, yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately taking this day to sure brew a beer, but kind of spend time with this person because I don't necessarily have the luxury of just doing that with everybody. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you definitely want it to be someone that you respect. And hopefully sometimes for us, it's about introducing our market to people that we're excited about, because I think that ultimately helps our beers too. Like when I can, when I can bring someone's beers here or bring someone here, brew a beer with them that someone around here has never heard of before, they enjoy it, that helps our beers as well, because they see, well, yeah, there's other people that make this kind of beer. There's other people that have this like-mindedness, this drinkability that, you know, Nick was saying that I think that for sure, I think his beers and ours, our beers, if anything, they really share that commonality that no matter what they are, we build them from the ground up for drinkability. Nick, what's yeah. your approach? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would echo a lot of the same things. First and foremost, the learning aspect and the connection are, are the biggest for, for me. And, you know, like Chris said, you see a lot of folks at festivals and sometimes that's the only time you see people or, or like, uh, you know, brewing conferences and whatnot. But having that connection is, is huge and, and the respect um, is the biggest thing for me. And, you know, just something as simple as like, you know, do you enjoy being around the person? Would you, would you want to go grab beers? And then also learning from the learning aspect. Um, I think there should always be something for both sides to learn from. Sure. And I, you know, that's how we base all of our collaborations. And right now, for example, like we have just not had time to really do collaborations and, and we only have seven tanks that we can go into. And we're just keeping up with, with a very new form of, of packaging for us here at the brewery as, as we're pretty young and, and adapting. But also bringing people in, bringing in breweries to Kansas City that, that we really like and respect is huge because it's introducing uh, the audience here to beer elsewhere. And I think that's one of those really fundamental parts of craft beer that's so exciting and fun is that idea that you go to these other cities and there's there's breweries that you've never had before, never tried before. And you get these kind of that, those euphoric first experiences that, that I think all of us have. And so that's what we like to do. We like to bring in friends that we really um, respect and, and really show them off to, to Kansas City. I want to talk about the individual cities in, 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 in a second, but I, I know you're both thoughtful brewers and are always trying to try new things and, and, and make your existing beers better. And I'm always interested in hearing from brewers as to where they're looking, you know, what, what is intriguing them right now? What are they reading up on? What, uh, you know, wh- what do they feel is important uh, in the beer space right now that the rest of us might not get clued in for another six months or a year, or, you know, ha- however long is there, is there anything that either of you are looking to explore these days or looking to bring to your, to your beers or to your brewery these days that you think is advancing the overall cause of the industry? I mean, I would say for Greenbench, like we typically, um, I mean, it's also not just 100% on the beer side um, when I answer this, because we're generally looking for a gap in the market and maybe not the full market. Maybe it's also in our portfolio and in our um, uh, city or, or even, you know, sec- like our neighborhood. Um, what sort of what sort of opportunities are there to provide an experience that you really can't get anywhere else? And whether that's a beer style, whether that's a, a technique on a beer, or rather, um, you know, like Pilsner, for example, a lot of breweries have Pilsners around here, right? But we wanted ours to just be like as good as it could possibly be and, it could, and for it to continue to get better. So while there may not be a gap of the style in the area, there is a gap of quality, there is a gap of care and technique and process, and it's going to be a completely different experience, hopefully, the idea is to have maybe a potentially more enjoyable and or elevated experience when you're trying something as simple as a lager. But um, I say simple with air quotes, as you can see. <laughs> and then, um, or it's the experience on site, right? It's, it's um, you know, how we serve our beers, how we pour them, uh, the setting, the beer garden, 
uh, building Web City Seller was all about experience and it was all about education. How can we, uh, you know, provide the consumer with an opportunity to experience and enjoy beer in a way that they've never been allowed to? They've never been exposed to the even the idea of of enjoying a beer in this manner. So that's typically what we look for. You know, like. You know, I, I was telling one of our brewers two days ago, I was like, man, you know what I really want to make that we don't make? And like, there's like a couple around here, but like, I, I really just want to make a traditional Belgian wit. Like right now, that's what I want to make. It's not something crazy. It's not like outside the box. It's just, I want to dive into Belgian wit for a little bit and just make it as well as we can. And, you know, because that is something that at least I know I'm missing in my life as far as a drinker, as I, you know, I'm a drinker as well. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, I would say that really we're, we're also seeing where we fit in and in this market and being so new still, what's crazy is that we've actually, so just to give some background, we're to go only right now. Okay. And until last week, there were three of us, it's myself, my wife, and, um, our other brewer, Michael. And then we just hired, um, Riley Wetzel, who was the um, former QA manager at the brewery and actually a really old friend of mine. I've known her since I was a, uh, a kid and the, she's the brewery coming. with the RU. Yeah. Is that, the okay. Brewery, but she grew up here in Kansas city and we just brought her on last week as, um, to, to be on the production team. So we've actually, we're eclipsing the fact that our tasting room has now been closed longer than it was ever open. We were open for 10 months when the pandemic hit. Thanks. And so we are figuring out one, how to adapt and survive in this, in this model that we have now. And um, we're also figuring out, yeah, where we fit in the Kansas city beer market and out of the gates, we made a pretty hard stance on, on lager and in particular, a check, a check Pilsner that we do. And uh, you know, it's, it's my favorite beer that, we make and it's something that we're always tinkering with. And I think like Chris said, um, you know, with, with lager, it, it, and I think this sentiment is shared is that it's all always about the details and it's always about these little fine tuning things that you can do each and every batch to get it to where you want to be. Um, and then also just figuring out where we fit in IPA wise, what, for example, is, how the market here is reacting to, you know, hazies versus now we're introducing um, some West Coast IPA and seeing how um, people are really receiving that well here, and so we're able to. Are, are you seeing? Years. Are you seeing a shift? You're seeing a shift from from folks who, is it folks who are coming into beer for the first time and drinking West Coast, or is it uh, hazy East Coast? IPA New England style who are now branching out into West coast, like younger drinkers, I guess. Yeah. I would say it's part young. It's part people that have been around beer and enjoyed beer for a while and are find it refreshing that the style is like not completely dead. Um, And I don't know if it's so much new drinkers, but we're a really hard case study because we're just so small. And so we have this, small audience that, you know, really they're, what they're buying and what they're telling us, um, 
and what I want to make kind of all goes into this equation of, of what we're going to end up doing. Okay. And, and so there's not like, you know, we'll, we'll trial things. Um, like we'll put something out, we'll maybe do a smaller batch and see how it gets received and how fast we get through our cans and whatnot. And, and then that will either, you know, help guide the direction of, of where we're going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's for us, we're still really laying the foundation, um, especially with our barrel program, which, which is a clean program. We're just focused on, um, you know, racking into racking uh, a variety of bourbon barrels with, you know, Imperial style barley wine and different sort of like brown ales, Imperial browns and stuff like that. So I'm wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's really interesting uh, right now. You know, I, I can't really be definitively say it's, it's one thing or the other. Well, Chris, I mean, even with the Bucks not in the game this year, Tampa was going to be, and your area was going to be the main focus for, for the Super Bowl. How, how has your area changed in the last year? You know, I, I imagine that a year ago, everybody was thinking, okay, like this is going to be a huge win for us. We're going to be packed for two weeks. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to be doing really well. People are going to come from all over the world for, for, for all of this. And I mean, and granted your, your part of the world is where people travel to a lot anyway. Um, how is, how have things changed? And do, do, do you think those changes are going to be permanent? I mean, I think they'll be around for a while, at least. I mean, I, I can't imagine it being, you know, anything like it was pre-pandemic for at least another probably year, year and a half minimum. Like I just, you know, it just doesn't, because it doesn't feel like the sort of light is really that close, uh, but yeah. maybe you're starting to see it. Um, we're starting to see people, you know, go out more, you know, family members and friends that we know of are getting the vaccine. So, you know, I think we see a light, but it's pretty far away. As far as how, you know, we, we anticipated it to be pretty crazy uh, during those two weeks. We were going to have some events here, uh, some ex-NFL players and stuff. We kind of had talked to about, you know, shutting the street down here on Bomb Avenue where we're at and doing like, you know, some pseudo NFL experience stuff, hosting some different radio stations from around the country to come in and like broadcast, you know, on one of their shows once during the week or so we, it was, and, and, you know, we're in St. Petersburg, which is it, from the actual stadium. We're 25 minutes away, 25, 30 minutes away, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's so it's I mean it's close relatively from our you know at least the traffic in in this area that means that's really close so um yeah it was supposed <laughs> to be it was supposed to be crazy and so now I think all of the like NFL experience stuff is really cornered to Raymond James Stadium and one buck place um which is they're across the street from each other basically yeah. so that's really where all the happening is now uh, like Ebor City was supposed to have some crazy stuff, and I'm sure some bars are still going to do some stuff, but it's just not going to be as big as it was. And I mean, it's really unfortunate this year because this has been like the best sports year for Tampa Bay ever. I yeah. mean, we in all of our four professional teams, we were in the whatever championship uh, they had, right? So we won the Stanley Cup this year. The Lightning did had to play it in Canada. Um, sure, we uh, lost to LA in the World Series, but. The Tropicana Field is directly across the street from my brewery. Um, so that would have been rad. 
And then, uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, we also have a, um, not MLS, but just underneath that, a, a professional soccer team, the Rowdies, they also went to their finals. The finals actually got canceled. So no one ever even got an opportunity to have the game. Like they got to the finals and then they canceled it because there was an outbreak. And then now the Bucks, who are obviously hosting uh, a Super Bowl for the first time ever in NFL history. So it's, yeah, this was, this was going to be a pretty rad year. And uh, with that said, as a sports fan, I'm still ecstatic. But, you know, owning a brewery, I'm also like, damn, like that would have been dope. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's been this tradition of brewers, and it's going back a couple of decades now, I guess, of brewers in host cities or um, uh, I should say brewers in uh, participating cities, team cities, uh, doing bets back and forth with each other. So you two have entered into a, uh, a Super Bowl specific bet. Uh, winner will get uh, you know, some fun things. The loser has to also, I guess, do some fun things. There's no real losers in this uh, from, from what it seems like. But um, how, did, how did this idea for the two of you to work together, how did this all materialize? Well, Chris reached out to me uh, just via Instagram, and and uh, I'm really happy he did. But it was just, you know, like no hey, gilded invitation, no courier, no just an Instagram DM. No, yeah, just no no pigeons oh, Chris, or anything like that. But but I w- I'm not sure a- what's acceptable during COVID to be sending people <laughs> mail. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, via pigeon is not so good these days. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, what are you thinking? And he just spelled it out. And I was like, well, that sounds awesome. I really hope we win because, um, well, I'll let, I'll let uh, Chris explain his side of the, uh, the deal. But yeah, so I, I pretty much countered with his offer. So if Tampa Bay is victorious, what happens, Chris? Uh, well, when the Bucks win. Nick oh, has man. To, Nick's gonna have man, to you to you Florida. are you are a guy who does not believe in the tempting of the fates huh <laughs> no I don't think uh I don't think wow I mean I'm in superstitious New York region where we don't we don't say those types of things about our team John, John we've already been there <laughs> <laughs> it's all right it's been 20 years and uh first <laughs> fir- first team to, uh, to host it it's gotta happen it's just it's destined it's already written so when the Bucks win uh, Nick's going to come down to Florida and, um, we're going to, we're going to bring some of his beers down, um, actually pour some here, get them introduced to our local, uh, market as well. We'll brew a collaboration as well that day. And then, you know, I told him as well, we'll, we'll kind of bounce around St. Pete in the area. Um, I just bought a 1968 fastback Impala. So I said, we'll just go for cruising. I've seen that on, on, online on Instagram. That is, that is a hell of a ride, my friend. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I just drove it into the brewery, so it's sitting right out front. So then we've got uh, – we're going to get some Cuban food. We'll eat some smoked fish down at Ted Peters on the water, cruise the beaches, hit some breweries. It's kind I feel of like I have, to do, I have to do this regardless of if we want to Yeah. <laughs> Nick, so Nick is all of a sudden rooting for the Bucks. Yeah. It's, no, 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 no. I'm not. No, he's I'm like, not. I'm coming anyway. Yeah. Well, Chris is into the deal will be that he gets to – he comes to Kansas City – um, pending our funky distro laws, we'll get some green bench beer on, on draft and we'll do a beer and then I will take him on a Kansas city barbecue barbecue tour decked out in bucks gear. And I will say I have a 2016 Honda fit. It gets about 35 <laughs> miles a gallon. So not an Impala, but 
but still, uh, you know, we can still whip around the city in that. That <laughs> doesn't garner the same amount of likes on Instagram, <laughs> I imagine. It definitely does not. Very economical. Very economical. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's a little family deal. So, oh yeah, that's the other side. I didn't say that. I will have to be wearing Kansas City gear throughout the entire thing, like he said as well. If, yeah. Uh, if they went. But yeah, ultimately, what ends up happening with these kind of deals is like you know. I make this bet and I'm like, man, it doesn't like, we're going to have fun no matter what anyway. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and ultimately the hope is, you know, eventually he'll be here and eventually I'll be there anyway. So. Yeah. I like that. And it's, I know, uh, it's cool I know. Chris, yeah. I know Chris has a, uh, a love for barbecue. So uh, I think Kansas city's a fantastic place to come, come check yeah, I'm out. Pretty, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm a Q fan for sure. Well, it's nice to see the spirit of uh, collaboration alive and well uh, in the brewing industry. And uh, all, all of us who are listening right now are, are just living vicariously through one of your upcoming travels or both of them, uh, missing being out in the world. I, I, almost a year in now and doing these shows uh, remotely from my house and having people dial in on Zoom or on the phone or anything. Uh, I've never missed travel more and it has only been growing over the last couple of weeks. So uh, thanks to you both for uh, reminding me that there's a big world out there that I can't wait to get back to. But um, we'll find out who wins on Sunday. So we'll update everybody afterwards. But uh, and I'm sure you guys will be doing the whole social media thing. So thanks for thanks for dialing in. Thanks for for sharing the story and sharing your time today for the show. Of course. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks, John. Go Bucks. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> That's Chris Johnson of Greenbench and Nick Mater of Alma Mater Brewing. Up next, Carlton Graham of Casey Beer Co. and Sean Sasser of Cigar City are here to talk about their rivalry. And I started off by asking them to show a little hometown pride. Well, thanks for being here at Super Bowl week, which I think under normal circumstances, uh, a lot of people would be really excited about. Um, and I'm guessing in your two cities, people are, are fairly excited. Um, but it's... <laughs> just it doesn't feel like a normal Super Bowl year it doesn't feel nothing really feels normal anymore um but you two know each other you two have been friends for for years coming up in the same brewing program I, I'm curious and this is a question for for both of you which is the better beer city Kansas City or Tampa <laughs> uh I will uh, let Carlton go first on that one man I don't I wouldn't have any way of knowing the answer to that question um you know Kansas City has a strong craft beer history because of Boulevard Brewing Company, having been one of the larger brewers in the country and going back a long time to 89 or 90. But I think we sort of lagged a little in uh, developing new or smaller craft craft breweries. When we opened in 2013, early 2014 really is when we opened the tap room. There were hardly any breweries in Kansas City. We were like almost this like new thing. And I think a lot of other cities had already come a long ways. But I, I know Cigar City is a huge brewery in there in Tampa, but I don't know anything else. I don't know a lot else about Tampa. Well, it's definitely a, a great beer scene here. I mean, we've we've developed Cigar City has been around since 2009. And um, back then there was only a couple breweries in the area, in the Tampa Bay area. Um, some of the OGs like Dunedin Brewery and Tampa Bay Brewing Company. And uh, no, I think now it's been, it's since I moved here in 2013, it's been a pretty crazy transition where I would say that Tampa's definitely one of the best beer scenes in the country. And you can get everything from the, the touted 
big old imperial stouts with crazy adjuncts to some really expertly crafted lagers to some of the best IPAs you can find. So I'm real, real happy to be in a, a town with such great talent. But, but I, I think I want to add real quick to that, that I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, Kansas City well, is fine. I guess I should have, I should have been more elaborative on the first part of it. I mean, we've got 40 breweries plus now. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff and awesome things going on here. So I, I think Kansas City is a great beer city right now. I think it's, is there, it's come a long way and it's good. Carlton, is there is there a cohesiveness to what Casey's beer is right now at Kansas City in general? Like, is there is 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 there sort of like a regional DNA that is starting to emerge now with forty plus breweries and some of the the larger established players, but also some of the new ones? Is there is there something that sort of binds you all together? Boy, not that I can identify. No, I mean there are certain breweries that are doing certain things really well and not doing other things, like not putting out a lot of stuff in other areas. But I think collectively as a scene, there's, I mean, we, just like I would guess just about every other larger American city, there's everything. I mean, we've got every kind of beer coming out of all corners. So I don't think there is an identity right now. What, what about for you, Sean, in, in, in Tampa, is there, I know. I know. You sort of just talked about everything that 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 the brewers are offering down there. But is there is there something sort of that you can put a fine point on the Greater Tampa Bay area? I mean, I, I think the first thing that people would probably throw out would be dessert stouts, imperial stouts. <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone, despite it being hot as hell down here, um, they definitely love their big goopy stouts, but. There's a lot of breweries now that buck that transition or tra- uh, tradition. So it's um, they definitely aren't focusing on or make any imperial stouts. So we've kind of the same thing. I, I've had the conversation with John Wakefield in the past on Florida's love affair with big imperial stouts, despite being in you know, some of the warmest weather in, in, in the country. Uh, and he had his thoughts, but I, what are yours? Why do you think that those beers are so appealing to your local customer base when they they really don't always seem to jive, at least at first blush, with 80, 90 plus degree weather with humidity to match? Well, I think part of it comes down to uh, it's a large state. So there's a lot, a lot of people here. And then um, so there's a lot of people who are from up north where it's cold. They're, they're bringing that that need for stout down with them. Uh, even if it's not as stout weather as you would say. The, the other part I would attribute to it is the beer community and how the beer enthusiasts kind of came together. And I mean, I, I remember the late 2000s, early 2010s of uh, all the bottle shares that went down. Like it, that just seemed to be the time where everyone was meeting up, everyone was bringing the best of their best and trying to see what craft beer was. And a lot of those big goofy stouts were on the table there. And I think the, the love of that kind of grew organically from just how all of these brew, uh, beer enthusiasts were getting together. I remember those bottle shares, you know, being in sort of my own circles at that, at that time and seeing a lot of those, but often then 
really loving the fact that I had a few lagers in the fridge uh, or that I'd bring with me uh, just to have some balance, have, have some normalcy. Um, it, it's still in the craft space, Carlton, uh, you know, lagers, you know, Ashley Carter of Beerstadt likes to say lagers are on a 150 year winning streak. And it's, it's sort of true by the big players, but um, in, in the craft space, there's still a lot of ground to make up. And certainly the last couple of years have, 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 have really start to, make craft lagers, small batch lagers, um, much more uh, mainstream, much more top of mind for folks. But when you all started, was it was it a tough sell, especially being in Missouri where there's other lagers, I should say, you know, maybe well, you know, I some, mean, some, some larger <laughs> Clydesdale drawn lagers? <laughs> yeah. And I know St. I mean, Louis they, is in we, Kansas we City, signed, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're in the same state, but um, you know, I guess, I guess I'll say that it, it, things kind of took off for us in the degree that we started making a different lager. It started with that, and now it's gone into more of the the pale lagers that are closer to the the beers that have always been around Budweiser, Stella, what have you. But uh, our flagship beer is actually Dunkel, uh, a brown Munich style lager. Um, and I think we had some success with that when we started because it was different. It wasn't just like all those other loggers, but um, it had that different color. So you got to have a, a, a kind of a, a different looking beer, although the, the taste is quite mild and it's quite drinkable. Yeah. Um, Has there been, but now that you're making lighter loggers and you know I, I i just wrapped up uh, doing some reviews for for wine enthusiasts and i was surprised on how many light american loggers showed up in the tasting panel um happily surprised uh, made by small by smaller makers and 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 it occurred to me that this is maybe something that wouldn't have happened five years ago um is it a change in consumer preference is it just brewers lager brewers pushing their will onto their customer base. Why do you think it is now that we're seeing lighter well, lagers? That yeah, I've always been somewhat mystified by uh, smaller craft breweries making a a uh, light American lager. Um, I always been a little bit uh, sort of dumbfounded by it a little bit, although they seem to do fine. I've always sort of attributed that a little bit to uh, in the craft beer world. There's constant. Um, you got to put out a new beer, put out a new beer, put out a new beer, put out a new beer. And this is a beer that you can put mm -hmm. out. And so some of them have, and that's just something that's going to happen. But to me, uh, I'd like more to focus on, hey, this is 100% malt. It's decocted. It's naturally carbonated. This is a craft lager, um, uh, a craft pale lager. And you can taste a difference in, in, in our Hellas and, and a Budweiser. To me, that's a, a better place to be personally. But, you know, the craft breweries right now are going to make anything you can think of and then 10 more that you didn't think of. So that's just the way the business is right now. Sean, I think the pandemic has shown us now that we're almost a, a full year into it, um, that people have changed their drinking habits a little bit, that um, some of the more extreme beers are, are still popular, but as folks are drinking at home and maybe uh, going through a four pack or a six pack that, you know, some of the, the larger bottles that they might've brought to a bottle share or, you know, had with friends or for special occasions are, are, are 
going the other way now and you know they're drinking for maybe not convenience isn't the right word but buying a six pack and and sticking with it um ha- have you seen that shift with the beers that, that that you all are putting out and also trying to put in front of people absolutely well it there's two things we've seen obviously with uh less on premise we've seen a good uptick uh with our our chain sales and because everyone's drinking at home but in terms of style in terms of what we're still pushing through the tasting room um we haven't seen a ton of change in terms of style uh but people are definitely buying and drinking more and uh we can i mean historically people aren't flying down uh to see Cigar City for our Hellesbach. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a big part. That's not a big part of your tour, huh? No, no. We just put out a Czech dark lager that I think is phenomenal, and uh, I do not expect to hear about it on Yelp. But uh, <laughs> have but you thought we, about adding vanilla beans to it? I've I've thought about that, but I mean, it depends on. <laughs> What the type of vanilla bean and how long I'm a, and is it ambient or is it, uh, it's, uh. but <laughs> it's, uh, we've seen an uptick in these types of beers too. Typically we'd have a, a, a little bit harder time because uh, everyone's focus is drawn to the, the more extreme beers, but I think people are really embracing like, do I need to be drinking? 1500 calories of stout every night <laughs> yeah. or am I going to, you know, I'll switch it up and have a nice, you know, pale ale or a, a lager or uh, a lower ABV IPA. And uh, we, we've seen a lot more uptick in those types of sales. So walk me back through how you two met. Oh, geez. Uh, well, I mean, we were, we were in the same um, Siebel Institute, slash Duman's Academy uh, class at, at Brewing School in the spring of 2012. Um, Sean and I weren't like super close friends during Brewing School, but then the Super Bowl happened and I was like, I got to look this guy up and, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do something. But uh, but yeah, that's how we that's how we first met in the in Chicago and then in, in Munich in Brewing School. It, it's It's fun to have such a a different group of people to connect to that you went through something so impactful with. And even if you didn't get to spend as much time with individuals that you would have liked to, you still shared something and you still are pushing for the same goals. And so it's, it, it's not like a, a difficult question. Carlton calls me up. I'm like, Oh yeah, hell yeah, Carlton. We're, we're into it. So it's, it's an easy bond to continue. This is so. This whole thing with Super Bowl bets has been going on for for years outside of beer, and has I, I, I think really gotten into uh, beer's mainstream for 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 quite some time. And uh, it seemed when the Patriots were on their run for for quite a bunch of years that Sam Adams really tried hard to you know find whoever was the big brewery in that town, and they 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 do something. Um, Tom Brady's loss has obviously been your gain, Sean. Um, when it comes to uh, Carlton, you, you said you reached out, but when it when you start thinking about doing these types of Super Bowl bets, and I've written about them in the past and tried to find some some fun stories, um, how far along in the postseason do you start 
looking at the schedule, looking at the potential matchups and thinking about who to call? Because you had some uh, other city options in advance or did you wait until the you game know was what? set? It literally just occurred to me one day not that long ago that, you know what? I think I know somebody in, in Tampa Bay <laughs> that works at a big brewery. It, I, I wasn't planning this weeks and weeks ahead of time. But uh, and then I was able to get his content information. The whole thing happened in like 20 minutes um, like <laughs> last week. Exactly. We were just like, you want to do this? Yep. Yeah, cool. guys, I'm, tr- I'm trying to paint a romantic story here. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to you know, like build suspense and and you're, you're just shooting holes in the middle of it. So thanks. So um, here. Well. <laughs> uh, so, so Carlton was laying in bed, just couldn't sleep, <laughs> thinking about how dominant the Chiefs are going to be. And at the same time, he must have felt my energy all the way from Florida when I was thinking the same yeah. thing about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to kill him, yeah. So, Charlotte, you not only this is a, a, a sort of a historic game in a lot of ways, if not only do you have the home team, but you also have the home field um, or you have the, you know, the home stadium as it. Uh, pretty sure it's the first time ever in NFL history. Yeah. Um, even though the chiefs are the home team, right? Is that, I think I read that somewhere that they're considered the home team, even yeah, though. The higher yeah. Seed. But you've, you've been thinking about this game for, for the last year and I'm, regardless of the teams that were going to be in it, it was going to be right in your backyard. Um, what's it been like this last year, sort of planning on what the brewery was going to do in response to the Super Bowl? Um, and I guess certainly for the last year under a cover of a pandemic. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely the early part of 2020, we had a more grandiose plan for what we'd be doing. Um, right now, uh, we are just excited to have however many people we can get here, here. Uh, we're very fortunate to be uh, about a mile's walk from the stadium itself. And so yeah. foot traffic and uh, everything will be huge. I'm sure we can, uh, I'm sure we're, our marketing team is putting together something truly, truly fun for a lot of the people out there. So I'm excited to see uh, what we roll out for it. I know we're at least do some, some special treatment kegs and stuff, but it's, it's exciting to, to have and it's, it's different because I, I think everyone expected two fan bases flying in instead of just one yeah um so uh, we've got a, a a rowdy group that we're already used to so flying in one more uh, we're prepared for it but Carlton it's, it's also interesting in Kansas City that you know this is a return for you guys and this is a uh th- there's been a lot of momentum behind your your, your home team over the last uh, two years um, what, what's the general mood like in Casey right now? Well, I mean, after, you know, forever and ever and ever of having just heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak in the playoffs, I don't know if you know much about Kansas city football, but there were, no, but I have were, a lot of friends who are Jets fans. So <clears throat> there were a bunch of years when they should have, could have, would have won a lot more than they did, or even win the super bowl. And they just always got their heart broken. There is, a. a just a a sense for just as much success as possible at this point. I mean, what a great group of players they've got. Uh, Probably the best player in football right now is on the chiefs. And uh, I mean, they're just, it's just exciting and just want to get this one and the next one and the next one is kind of the feeling I get. Um, But it's interesting going up against Brady then who, you know, built a dynasty. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. So 
anticipation enough. Uh, so a call came together in 20 minutes and you guys jumped on an email and you said, okay, let's, let, let's do something. And it's, it, it, it's a bet, right? It's uh winner has to brew the other person's beer. Well, I think we're both going to brew it. Um, okay. So if, if the, if the chiefs win, then the beer that will be brewed will be determined by me. And if the bucks win, then it will be determined by Sean. Have you, and you've made the determination. We have. Yep. Okay. So let's, uh, let, let's start with, uh, with, with you, Carlton. If, uh, if your chiefs win, what is Sean going to have to brew? So I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's a, 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 quite quite a bit of a minor beer style in germany but it's a nuremberg style rote beer so it's a red beer rote beer means red beer in german and uh it's a very bright red beer so i think that 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 speaks well to the chiefs uh, being a such a bright red color uh is their team color and we'll come up with a name for it if the chiefs win that has some sort of call out to kansas city or the chiefs what what are what are some of the other uh, flavor profiles or uh, specs on on that particular style because I I'm I'm not overly familiar with it. So it's it's kind of like a red Hellas, but because you're you have to make it so bright red that also changes the flavor quite a bit, and it gives it a very distinct sort of um, caramel malt flavor that has a little bit of a candied edge to it. Oh. Um, I've tried to make one here, and I don't think I did a super great job of making it. I think it came out closer to pink than red. So if the Chiefs win, I'm going to have to go back in and do some more research and make sure I make it bright red, uh, um, because that'll be the beer that they have to serve in, in Tampa Bay's because they lost the bet. Mm-hmm. And so if the other side wins, uh, Sean, if, uh, if, if, if you emerge and your team and your town emerges victorious, uh, what recipe are you sending up to Carlton in Kansas City? So what would be more fun than making a Ryan Heitzkevat focused brewery brew a big old adjunct stout? <laughs> <laughs> and that's and what they love in Tampa. So, yep. <laughs> yep. So as, as soon as I heard that he'd never brewed a, a, a stout, let alone an imperial stout over there, um, and I mean, we're not, when we talk adjuncts, we're talking adjuncts from the Ryan Heitzkebot <laughs> way. So like oats and wheat, <laughs> we're okay. not talking, we're not talking about Amoretti flavors right now. Okay. So there's no coconut or banana or no, yeah. no. So it'll be relatively tame in terms of cigar city standards, but, um, so, so if the Buccaneers win, I will say that we will make a beer for the first time ever that is not just barley, hops, water, and yeast. Is that, is that, is, is the thought of it stressful? Is the thought of that exciting regardless of what happens? Like, you know, we still have a couple of days before the game. It's stressful and exciting. I mean, (laughs) so we would never do that. We would never make a beer with anything other than what's allowed under the German, you know, purity law except for a, a, you know, a huge exception like this, that we lost a Super Bowl bet. So it, if, if the Chiefs don't lose the Super Bowl, there's literally no reason to ever do it, and we would never do it. So this will be a, a unique situation if we get into that. I, I think it we seems both... Like, yeah. 
I think we both kind of at one point during this conversation of uh, what styles to make, we're like, I kind of hope we lose just because I want to make this beer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just because it's both a challenge, it's a challenge for both of us in different ways. Yeah, it would be very interesting to have to to make this beer, this kind of beer that we've never, never even thought about making. But I hope the Chiefs win the game. <laughs> Sean, what about you? Oh, I hope yeah. the Bucks win the game. Yeah, obviously. I mean, at, in my heart, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. I'll just throw that out there. But uh, no, I support the Bucks 100%. Well, uh, we'll just have to wait until Sunday evening to find out. Uh, and I imagine you guys will be updating on your social media pages. And I will, uh, of course, follow up on, on this show as well. But good luck to both of you because I don't, I don't have a I don't have a player in this game. So, uh, you know, either way I, it's, you know, the drinkers win. So, um, guys, thanks for, for sharing a little bit behind the scenes and spending some time on Super Bowl week, talking about, uh, talking about your beers. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. My thanks to Carlton, Sean, Chris, and Nick for being on the show and for bringing a little fun to this. Before we go, a reminder to check out BeerEdge.com for articles, podcasts, and the newsletter, and more. And if you want to advertise here, you can reach out to Liz Melby. She's at Liz at BeerEdge.com, and she'll walk you through our surprisingly affordable rates. Go to Facebook and become part of the This Week in Roush Beer podcast fan page. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review of this show. You can also check out Steal This Beer every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast on the 15th of every month. You know the deal. Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show come out every Wednesday. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer. Let's go Colts. <laughs>